Ladies and gentlemen, we have a series once again. The 2-0 deficit is gone, and the New Jersey Devils have regained home ice advantage. The reset button has been smashed. We have a lot to break down in today's episode of Locked on Devils. Buckle up, everybody. You're Locked on Devils, your daily podcast on the New Jersey Devils. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, this is Bryce Salvador, and you're Locked on Devils with Trey Matthews. Elias scores! Oh, Steven stepped up, nailed him. Rodora's got the puck. What a shot. The Devils win the Stanley Cup! All righty now, what is up, New Jersey? Welcome back to the Locked on Devils podcast here on Locked on Network. I'm your host, college hockey play-by-play announcer, Devils writer for Pucks and Pitchforks, and also part-time credential media member Trey Matthews. For the third time in franchise history, the New Jersey Devils have overcome a 2-0 deficit. It is now 2-2, heading back to the Prudential Center on Thursday. The reset button has been hit, and we have a series once again. Now, here's the thing. Jesper Bratt said it in his postgame interview not too long ago. He said when the New Jersey Devils lost their first two games of the year by a score of 5-2 to the Philadelphia Flyers and also the Detroit Red Wings, what happened? They started winning, like a lot, like a lot, lot, lot more, which included a 13-game win streak. So the New Jersey Devils, I always said, never say die. I never wanted to doubt them because they've been surprising me all year long, and I've been saying it in the past couple episodes, why stop now? Now, I do have to say this. If you were doubting the Devils after the first two games of this series, if you were one of those people who said, this series is over, the Devils have no chance, it's going to be a sweep, it's going to be another disappointing playoff appearance for New Jersey Devils. Please do not jump back on the bandwagon, okay? Stay off, all right? Don't don't try jumping back right now. Now, was I a little nervous after the Devils dropped the first two games? Yeah, absolutely, like anyone else is. But at the same time, I said the New Jersey Devils have been surprising a lot of people throughout the course of the year, including myself. So I was like, you know what? Given what's happened during the course of the year, why stop now? So we're going to split this episode up into three parts once again. So I'll talk about some key players that caught my eye during the course of the game. Then in segment two, I'll talk about the game in general. What were some of my main takeaways? And then in the third and final segment, like I do with every post-game recap, I'll compare the stats and give the Devils a letter grade. So let's start off with key player number one, and that was Jack Hughes. Because he got the party started in period number one on an open breakaway goal. So Here's what happened. Akira Schmidt, he had a huge save. Initially, he couldn't find the puck. It went between his legs. But luckily, Jonas Siegenthaler, who we'll talk about momentarily, was able to locate the puck and clear it down the ice. And who was able to pick it up and take it down to the other side of the rink? It was Jack Hughes. And he had a beauty of a shot on Shesterkin. So interesting fact for you guys, when looking at the players that have scored the most on Shesterkin this year, if we include the playoffs, Jack Hughes has scored on Shesterkin now eight times because he scored on him uh, now a third time during the course of this playoff series. The only player who has more goals on Shesterkin than Jack Hughes is Jake Gensel. Is it cheating a little bit that we're including the playoffs and the Pittsburgh Penguins aren't in it? Maybe a little bit, but it still doesn't take away from the fact that Jack Hughes has scored on Shesterkin now three times during the course of the year. He said it best during his intermission interview. You know, he said, Shesterkin's a good goalie. He's a good player. So either he's going to get the goal or Shesterkin's going to make a, a, a great stop. So that Jack Hughes is so vague in his interviews. 
obviously he has that look in his eyes like he'd rather be anywhere else. But he does have a point, which is like either Shesterkin was going to make one hell of a block to open up the game or Jack Hughes was going to make a statement for the New Jersey Devils. And that was the momentum that the Devils needed moving forward because it's one of the things I've been saying the last couple episodes. You can win a game one to nothing. You can win a game two nothing, whatever the case might be. Work with what you're being given. So Interesting fact, before Jonas Siegenthaler scored and before Andre Pilat got his empty netter goal, the Devils, after that goal from Jack Hughes, had scored five times throughout the course of the playoffs, and three of them belonged to Jack Hughes because in game one, he had a penalty shot. In game three, he had a power play goal. And then in this game, even strength goal, relatively early in the game. So Jack Hughes is picking up right where he left off towards the end of the regular season. It hasn't been perfect. Like there's, He's had his moments of being shut down or maybe looking a little frazzled or maybe a little out of his league. But the one thing I can say about Jack Hughes is that he is definitely uh, being a lot more aggressive out there because according to Christy Flannery of the Hockey News, she said during the course of the game that Jack Hughes had only 12 hits in 78 regular season games. However, he already has three hits in this series. So like I said, it hasn't been a perfect outing from Jack Hughes, but the fact that he has scored on Shesterkin three times, the fact that he already has a quarter of the hits that he had in 78 regular season games and we're already uh, going into game number five of the, of the first round against the New York Rangers, Jack Hughes is elevating his game. And like I said, work with what you're being given. Now, let's move on to the other player that caught my eye, and that is Jonas Siegenthaler. So Jonas Siegenthaler was able to get the game-winning goal for New Jersey Devils because in period number three, obviously Trocek was able to score on Akira Schmid off a rebound. So not too long after, Siegenthaler was able to have a beauty of a shot, similar to Jack Hughes once again, put the Devils back out on top by a score of 2-1 to one late in period number three. And not only did Jonas Siegenthaler have a goal in this game, he also had an assist because, like I said, when Jack Hughes scored his open breakaway, who was the one that cleared the puck and was able to locate him? It was Jonas Siegenthaler. So Jonas Siegenthaler had a multi-point game. This was sort of a revenge game for Siegenthaler in my eyes because, as you guys know, Lindy Ruff controversially sat Jonas Siegenthaler out for game number two. So he was a healthy scratch to put in Brendan Smith in the lineup. We know how that game rolled out. The Devils were playing like a bunch of goons. They were getting unnecessary penalties. We saw things get a little chippy towards the end of the game. So Jonas Siegenthaler just had a statement of a game in my eyes, just telling Lindy Ruff, you better not scratch me at all during the rest of the playoff series because I am too valuable to this roster. And it's something that I just have to think about and I have to put it out there. So just bear with me. But if the New Jersey Devils do end up losing this series, and it's just a hypothetical scenario, I'm not saying they will. It's just a hypothetical scenario. If the Devils do lose this series, I think you have to look back to game number two as a critical X factor as to why they would hypothetically lose a series because obviously Jonas Siegenthaler wasn't in that game. And similar to what Todd Cordell tweeted out a few days ago, Jonas Siegenthaler had an expected goals for percentage relatively high, and he was not on any of the power play goals scored by the New York Rangers in game one. So it was a little bit of a question mark as to why he was scratched in favor of Brendan Smith when physicality in my eyes wasn't a factor. So not trying to go on that tangent again, but I'm just explaining like Lindy Ruff, hopefully the Devils are able to wiggle out of this series and, and amount that uh, miraculous comeback because they were down 2-0. Now they've got tied 2-2 and now they reclaimed home ice advantage. But digressing a little bit, we'll talk about that in segment three. The point I'm trying to make is that if the Devils do lose a series, I think Lindy Ruff will look back to game number two as maybe a bit of a head scratcher, toss turn at night a little bit because 
I talked about it in the post-game recap in yesterday's episode in which I said, if the Devils do win the series, you have to look at game three as Akira Schmidt being that X-Factor player for the Devils because he stepped up big time in net. He made a lot of great A saves in overtime. And it was the same uh, outing tonight for Akira Schmidt. He made one mistake, but we'll talk about that a little later in the episode. want to focus on some more key players. So another key player that we need to talk about is Nathan Bastion on the penalty kill. So he was being effective once again because we talked about Curtis Lazar being effective on the PK in game three. And in this outing, Nathan Bastion, he is the unsung hero because the penalty kill has stepped up big for New Jersey Devils. And Nathan Bastion has been playing a huge part in how effective it has been because, let's face it, er early on in the series in game one and game two, the Rangers were having their way, especially Chris Kreider, on the man advantage. So the Devils had to figure out a way how to tighten it up a little bit because the Devils had one of the best penalty-killing teams during the course of the regular season. So how do you get back to that? Luckily, you got Curtis Lazar, you got Nathan Bastion. They're playing effective minutes. Jesper Boquist uh, is showing why he's also a good skater. And I I meant to give these players a shout-out in the previous episode, but it works in this game because they were also able to uh, get a point here and there, and that was Nico Heischer and Jesper Bratt. So we've been talking about how Nico Heischer, Jesper Bratt, and Jack Hughes at times – They have to step up their overall game if the Devils want to have a successful outing during the course of the playoffs. And Nico Heischer, he was able to get an assist this game, so he got the primary assist on Jonas Siegenthaler's goal. And then on the empty netter goal scored by Andre Palat, Jesper Bratt got the primary assist. So once again, little by little by little, the New Jersey Devils are starting to come back into fruition. So hopefully Tomas Shatar and Dawson Mercer follow suit because once those players get it going during the course of the playoffs – The New Jersey Devils, they're going to be just as scary as they were during the course of the regular season. And also, Andre Palat, the old man, got to give credit where credit is due. So uh, James Nichols actually tweeted out a very interesting stat. So if you uh, adjust the stats without the empty net shot, James Nichols said that the expected goals percentage for Andre Palat was 75.9%. The core C percentage was 58.8%. Uh, The Fenwick percentage was 52.2%, and the score-adjusted expected goals percentage was 78.1%. So Andre Palat, even if you take away that empty netter goal, he was still playing some effective style of hockey. So it's something I mentioned on Twitter, which was I wanted Andre Palat to be less of a liability out there. He's supposed to be the grizzled veteran. He's supposed to be the old man. So you're supposed to be the leader because a lot of these guys haven't seen the day of light after an 82 game season so they're gonna lean on you and Andre Palat he led by example and he was able to put everyone on notice as soon as he got that empty netter goal late in period number three so when talking about this game in general for the New Jersey Devils honestly they continue to get better and better and better like I said not perfect but at the same time you're seeing the improvement and you're seeing the adjustments being made on the fly so Going into period number one, I saw the New Jersey Devils just play some uh, fast style of hockey. Once again, I saw them sustain a lot of offensive pressure. I saw them early on in the game. They went on a two-on-one advantage. I saw them uh, just be effective in the penalty kill once again. I'd say minus uh, the discipline in period number one, it was a very good showing in period number one for New Jersey Devils. Then that carried over into period number two. The Rangers started to get just a little bit better as the game progressed, and there were times when I was a I'll admit I was a little nervous, but I think what went wrong for the New York Rangers, and I'm not locked on Rangers, so I can't really elaborate on it, but Ray Ferraro said during the course of the broadcast that he noticed that the Rangers were playing an east-west 
style of hockey as opposed to a north-south style of hockey. So if you need a refresher as to what that is, it, it just basically means that uh, the term north-south hockey simply refers to getting the puck up the ice without significant lateral. So in that case, east-west movement. So on surface, it makes sense if you are moving the puck away from your zone as quickly as possible. And that's courtesy of The Athletic. Now, as I talked about in the previous episode, P.K. Subban mentioned that he wanted to see the New Jersey Devils play north-south style of hockey as opposed to east-west because he said that the Devils can't do what they did during the course of the regular season against the Rangers because they're clogging up those lanes. And I know a, a couple episodes ago when I did a crossover with John Chick of Locked on Rangers, I said the Devils shouldn't play down to their competition. What I meant by that was I didn't want to see the New Jersey Devils just do what they did in game number two and just play like a bunch of goons. Don't let players get underneath your skin because we need a lot of those players on the rink and we can't afford to put uh, our opponent into man advantages. We can't afford uh, for some guys to be out for an extended period of time. That's, that's what I meant by playing down to the competition. It's one of the reasons why I did not want to see the Florida Panthers because I thought someone like Matthew Kachuk would just be relentless at going at Nico Heischer game after game after game, especially what happened between Alexander Barkov and Nico Heischer on the faceoff. We don't need to talk about it, but that was just the point I was trying to make. But in this game, the Rangers, I guess, were playing down to the New Jersey Devils because like Ray Perot said, he noticed that they were playing East-West and it just wasn't working. The only line that really gave the New Jersey Devils trouble consistently throughout the game was the kid line. So you had Heidel, you had Kako, you had Lafreniere. The kid line was the only line that gave the New Jersey Devils some worry throughout the course of the game. And at one point, Chesterkin was just trying to take matters into his own hands, and he passed the puck up ahead. I believe this happened in the second period, and it was intended for, uh, I, I believe Kako was able to catch it. Unfortunately, didn't result in a goal, but... Yeah, that's what I saw. The kid line was just the most effective line out there that was able to play East-West uh, style of hockey. And unfortunately, uh, it just didn't work out for the Rangers. So in my eyes for New Jersey Devils, take advantage of that. So, And they were able to do so. That's what I was the most proud of for the New Jersey Devils, which is, okay, maybe the Devils don't play down to the competition. Maybe the Rangers play down to the competition and the Devils take advantage of that. So that's what I saw. But another thing I want to highlight, and I talked briefly about this in segment one, is the effective penalty kill for New Jersey Devils because Chris Kreider has been an absolute devil killer in game one and game two because he was getting all sorts of power play goals. But in this game, the Rangers went 0 for 3 on the man advantage. And I believe, don't quote me on this because they said this during the course of the broadcast, uh, I believe now the Rangers are 0 for their last 11 power play opportunities. And at one point, the New York Rangers fans at Madison Square Garden were booing the power play unit out there for the boys in blue. So it was definitely a breath of fresh air. And um, like I said, that was just great execution for New Jersey Devils. And speaking of the penalty kill, I got to give credit where credit is due. So during period number one, Dougie Hamilton goes to the penalty box for high sticking and the Devils were able to kill it off. Now, Shortly after, Timo Meyer got a penalty for delaying the game, so puck over the glass. So Timo Meyer had to sit like just immediately after Dougie Hamilton checked into the game. So the Devils essentially were playing like or were potentially going to play four straight minutes on the PK. That cannot happen. So what does Eric Holla do? He's able to draw a penalty, a tripping call against Vladimir Tarasenko. Holla was able to sell it, and that's what I like from Eric Holla, using that veteran mind 
to try to get the New Jersey Devils out of the PK. So, and it exonerates the power play opportunity for the New York Rangers. So love that from Eric Halla. That was smart from our, from one of our other veteran players. Now ESPN put out this stat during the course of the broadcast, uh, comparing the Rangers from game one and game two to game three and game four. Now it's a little outdated because they put up this graphic when there was 350 remaining in the second period. But if you look at game one and game two, the Rangers had 10 goals in game three and game four. They had one. So this came after Trocek was able to score on Akira Schmidt. Shots in game one and game two, Rangers had 53. Game three and game four, they had 51. Power play game one and game two. Four for 10 for the Rangers. Game three and game four, 0 for 8. Chances, 33 in game one and game two. Game three and game four, 19. So what happened? Once again, I guess I guess in the words of Ray Ferraro, the Rangers were playing a style of hockey that's better suited for the New Jersey Devils, but not their own team, with the exception of the kid line of Lafreniere, Kako, and Heidel. So just that that's what I picked up during the course of the broadcast, and I would have to agree with Ray Ferraro because the Rangers, let's face it, they're not as effective as they were in game one and game two, and that's going to benefit the New Jersey Devils, especially if they want to win two more now that the series is tied 2-2. But Last thing before we compare the stats and and give the New Jersey Devils a letter grade, I want to talk about Akira Schmidt. So Akira Schmidt just stepping up his game once more. And fun fact for you, according to Amanda Stein, Akira Schmidt is the only goaltender since Martin Brodeur in 2012 to win at least two games in the postseason. So once again, Akira Schmidt and BTAC Vancheck, they are putting up Martin Brodeur numbers during the course of the regular season and now leaking over into the playoffs. So even though BTEC Vancheck has been struggling in the playoffs just a tad bit, Akira Schmidt, the rookie, he's continues to exceed expectations. The only mistake that you can blame for Akira Schmidt in this game was giving up the goal to Trocek because what had happened was is that uh in this in this sort of instance, Schmidt just had poor rebound control. He initially had it, then he lost it. Trocek was able to find it. And then Trocek was able to score, and obviously that tied the game. So that, that took place early in period number three, and I was a little nervous because afterwards you saw the Rangers just have more pep in their step. But thank the Lord the New Jersey Devils were able to slow them down, and then Jonas Siegenthaler was able to get the game-winning goal literally like five or so minutes after Trocek was able to score. And then obviously Andre Pilat was able to get the empty netter goal to put the game out of reach. So Overall, for this game, uh, the New Jersey Devils, they just were able to keep their head on a swivel and they were able to just shut down the Rangers when it mattered most. Neither team was able to score in period number two, but that's perfectly okay because, like I said, you can win a one to nothing affair. You can win a two nothing affair. Just work with what you're being given. That's the name of the game for Devils moving forward. Now, before we compare the stats and give the Devils a letter grade, I want to talk about game time. So here's the thing. I know it's the playoffs. You guys want to see the New Jersey Devils take on the New York Rangers live in person. Tickets are a little expensive. But let me tell you about game time. So forget planning months of advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The game time guarantee means you'll get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and roll for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Download the game time app. 
create an account and use the code locked on NHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again, create an account and redeem code locked on NHL for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And now let me tell you about Indeed because Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. So don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you could do it all with Indeed. Find top talent quickly with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like matching, assessments, and virtual interviews. Hate waiting? Indeed's U.S. data shows over 80% of Indeed employees find quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. So candidates invite you to apply to instant match are three times more likely to apply to your job than candidates who only see it in search according to the U.S. Indeed data. So Indeed knows how to grow your business. You have to take every dollar to count. That's why with Indeed, you only pay for quality applicants that match your must-have job requirements. So visit Indeed.com slash locked on to start hiring now. Just go to Indeed.com slash locked on. Indeed.com slash locked on. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, so before we compare the overall stats, in case you guys are curious, the, the New Jersey Devils were able to erase a 2-0 series deficit for the third time in franchise history, like I said early on in the show. New Jersey erased a 2-0 deficit versus the Boston Bruins in 1994 in the Eastern Conference semifinals and won the series in six games. Their more recent example is when the Devils also erased a 2-0 deficit versus Carolina in 2002 and tied it at 2-2, but dropped the Eastern Conference quarterfinals in six games. So they entered game four night's contest with a total series record when trailing 2-0 in a series at 1-7 and went into one starting at home. So what's the name of the game for New Jersey Devils? You're going to have to win at home at some point. So I'm not going to speak for the Rangers. I'm just going to speak for the Devils. So Obviously, neither team has been unable to win in front of their home fans. So for Devils, if you drop game six and you're able to win at Madison Square Garden once more, then you got to win that game seven because that's win or go home. And then if you're able to win game six, then you could go back on the road and you could clinch it in enemy territory at Madison Square Garden. You just need two more wins and you're going to have to get it sooner or later if you want any chance of winning this series. So the Devils, you're going to have to win at home. What's it going to be? Is it going to be game five or is it going to be game seven? Pick your poison. So the Devils, I know they do better at the road. I think they have the second best road record in the entire NHL. But please find a way to win one more game at the Prudential Center. So win game five, then go to game six at Madison Square Garden and try to clinch it there. I don't know. But let's compare the overall stats and then I'll give the Devils a letter grade. So shots on goal category. Tied 23 apiece. Face-off percentage, 59% to 41% in favor of the Devils. Power play, Devils were 0 for 2. Rangers were 0 for 3. Hits, 24 to 21 in favor of the Rangers. Blocks, 19 to 13 in favor of the Rangers. Giveaways, Rangers led that department 15 to 7. So if I had to rate this game for Devils, I'm going to give them an A-. minus. I think it, it, it's not quite A-plus material, but it was still a fantastic showing because – they were able to get to Shesterkin early. They were able to maintain their lead. They were able to answer on back. You saw great moves from Eric Hala, like the example I said in period number one, when he was able to draw a penalty on Vladimir Tarasenko. So that way that could exonerate the power play for the New York Rangers. Love that. Uh, the Devils are competing once again. 
Jack Hughes is picking up right where he left off during the course of the regular season. Jonas Siegenthaler came out with a sense of urgency, and you're seeing it slowly but surely that everyone is stepping up their game in more ways than one. So this was definitely an improvement from the previous game, and I hope the New Jersey Devils are able to hopefully maybe rack up three or four goals, but that's wishful thinking, but we'll see what happens. But Love the effort from the New Jersey Devils, and hopefully they can maintain it. So let me know what you guys think. If you're watching on YouTube, leave a comment down below. If you're listening on a podcast streaming service, hit me up on my personal Twitter page, at TreyMat4, or the show's Twitter page, at LockedOnDevils. As for today's episode, that's all the time I have for you. So continue to stay safe. Have a wonderful day in New Jersey. Go Devils. I'll catch you guys in the next episode. Thanks for listening once again.